what did you eat for breakfast? Um, I don't eat breakfast. <laughs> Some people say it's the most important meal of the day, but you know, hey, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a Spartan like that. I drink some couple of cups of coffee in the morning. I'll maybe have a piece of avocado or something, and I, I'll eat late. I get up early, you know. I get up at sixish, and I'll usually have something to eat around ten, maybe something light. But uh, sometimes I'll have, you know, I'll make a breakfast, but typically no. Welcome to Music on Your Own Terms, the podcast that aims to help musicians develop an entrepreneurial mindset through interviews, as well as discussing resources, concepts, successes, and more. Providing a platform to talk about negative emotions such as anxiety and depression in order to help overcome them in the context of music and reduce the social stigma. This is episode 103. Sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Printing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, offering screen printing, embroidery, laser engraving, and a range of other services. Go to theskinnyarmadillo.com to learn how they can help you get your merch business to the next level. If you enjoy the podcast, there are a couple of ways you can show your support. Go to the store at store.musiconyourownterms.com and buy some merch. And at the same time, sign up for the mailing list to stay connected. Subscribe to the YouTube channel to get extra content you won't find anywhere else. And finally, head over to Podcast Magazine's website at podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50 and vote for Music on Your Own Terms in their Hot 50 monthly chart. In this episode, I talk to Tom Callahan a music industry veteran who has worked for IRS Records with Miles Copeland, Virgin Records, and more besides, helped co-found the licensing platform SongTrader, and has now launched a full-service marketing and distribution company for artists called Indie Advance. Tom talks about his history in the music industry, including his start as a touring musician, working as a record promoter, and what drives him to want to help educate up-and-coming artists about the business. We also learn about Tom's thoughts on social media, how to conduct business in an ethical manner, and what he thinks about American Idol. Here's my conversation with Tom. Welcome to another episode of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Today I'm joined by Tom Callahan, who is the founder of Indie Advance. So welcome and thank you for joining me. Oh, my pleasure to be here, Simon. I appreciate it. I've uh, been following your, your podcast and I was um, uh, excited to be on here just to talk about uh, the business, the new company, and find out... Uh, what you guys are about a little more as well. Sure. Um, so yeah, just just to uh, start start us off, if you could uh, tell us who you are and what what you do in the music industry. Sure. Um, well, I'm old, so I've been <laughs> around for a long time. <laughs> I've been in the business about 35 years. I started as a musician, and which is why uh, I'm so passionate about the independent artist. Um, and I started playing professionally when I was about 16, 17 in Boston and toured for a while when I came to California for a few years and uh, settled down, got in the record business in 86, 87, worked for some really great independent labels like Enigma Records. Uh-huh. I had IRS Records with Miles Copeland, who was my mentor, uh-huh. and then went, down, went on to Virgin Records. And awesome. uh, I left Virgin in 92 to start my own companies, and I've had uh, five or six companies over throughout the years, management companies, record labels, 
Um, I was one of the help start the company song trader, the licensing company. And uh, now I have indie advanced. I did a lot of uh, record promotion during my day. That's how, that's what I was kind of known for back in the, uh-huh. in the, in the nineties, nineties and early two thousands. Yeah. Sure. Excellent. So just to get us in, into your background a little bit, what caused you to want to start playing? You play guitar, correct? Piano and guitar. Piano and guitar. And I toured, I toured, I toured on both. Yeah. Okay. So one of those switcheroos. Right. What did you, what got you into, into your respective instruments and what got you into music in the first place? Yeah. Um, well, my, my, I'm Sicilian and Irish, and on both sides of my family, we're all musicians. Hmm. So uh, I can't put a nail on a piece of wood. I can't, I'm not good with my hands. I can't do anything um, except uh, martial arts and music is all I've ever done. And I started playing, I think my first professional job was on drums at age nine. So I've been around the music scene my entire life. My brother is a world-class classical composer, Kevin Callahan. Mm -hmm. And, um, my aunts were all professional singers and my uncles were professional musicians. And so um, I was kind of nurtured that way. And then I was a music major in college before mm-hmm. I dropped out. <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah, so I've been around the scene a long time. Awesome. Um, yeah. So what, what is Indie Advance, if you could talk about that? Sure. Um, you know, I started the company actually in 2009 and, and, and actually, to be honest with you, didn't do anything with it. But it was started on, it was predicated on the, on the basis of um, really giving independent artists tools mm-hmm. and knowledge, which I think are the most important things. Education first, so they can make informed decisions. And a lot of the new artists these days, a lot of young artists, not new artists necessarily, but young artists, they need to be educated sure. so they can control, control their own destiny. I always mm-hmm. say to my people that work with me or students I have is to, is to orchestrate your career, not navigate your career. In order to orchestrate your career, you need knowledge. And mm-hmm. um, so this, this Indie Advance was, was primarily based on educating the younger artists and then giving them tools in which to, and affordable tools, uh, in which to use to control their own destiny. And if they want to get a major label deal or, or an independent deal, um, that's great, but they still need to start somewhere. And then you mm-hmm. still need to start from, sorry about that, educational uh part you know sorry we're at home COVID time dogs barking yep um so yeah that's that's an important thing and um secondarily i wanted to also offer artists that had been primary uh, previously with a major label um that are no longer with a major label for whatever reason um the ability to come and distribute the music through us use the same services and tools that a major label or an independent label would provide them before because those are still needed, mm, you know? Absolutely. So, um, so we offer distribution, we offer tools, services, um, and we're just, we're a new company. So basically we're going to be also um, having other companies that provide services, wh- whatever services they may be, uh, come un- under our umbrella. Mm. And so my tagline for the company, which I'm going to be building into, is the global hub for independent musicians. So um, I've already got a few international managers in place. We're going to be expanding on that. So it's a global company, um, again, that will help uh, work specifically with independent artists to help them, nurture them, guide them, et cetera. That's fantastic. Um, now, so you mentioned you started in 2009. Um, so where, what has changed in your perspective from starting with the music industry where it was 10 years ago to where it is now? Like what, what's the scope change? Well, let me let me clarify that. I, I started in the advance in 2009, but I was so busy with my other businesses 
that I didn't do anything with it. I started the music business in 1986. Right. But yeah, the business has changed dramatically. Um, and I've gone through a lot of iterations myself, but, um, you know, what have I seen? My gosh. I mean, the biggest, well, there's a couple of catac uh, cataclysmic events that occurred. Um, one, well, this is several, uh, you guys, you guys are probably, a lot of your listeners are too young, but when, um, when retail changed a lot mm. first back in the early nineties and, um, and then radio changed with media base as well. And they started, uh, instead of just faking where the charts were, it was, it was calculated by a computer. Uh -huh. So they could, there was no lying how many spins were at radio. Same with, um, same with retail. I mean, how many, you know, we used to lie about how many were sold, you know, the, the, the regional retail people would lie about how many were sold, but, um, and that changed. So it was, it was all legit. Sales were legit. Radio was legit. So uh -huh. that was a big cataclysmic change. And of course, then, down the road with Napster and everything else that and, this, and, and that changed everything. And, and, um, uh, and of course, radio, uh, not just radio, but the labels were extremely slow to respond. I mean, they didn't believe that anyone was challenging them mm. in a way. And this was an independent spirit that changed, you know, and of course uh, we are where we are now based on that independent spirit. And I think, Almost everything that's changed for the better was changed. Uh, the genesis was was from independent spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, you then you had labels like Sub Pop and these other great labels that were starting. And if you even go back further than that, when you look at uh, Asylum Records that Geffen had started, or you look at Electra, yep. uh, you look at some of these other. These were small labels. These were independent labels with great spirit that became mm -hmm. bigger labels. It's like, you know, I always had, used to have this conversation. I always thought it kind of found it amusing that that an alternative listener loved the alternative artists you know they were all for the alternative artists but when that alternative artist became popular hmm. became pop music oh i hate those guys oh they're pop well they weren't always pop you know right um and even if they didn't change they became popular that's all the word pop comes from popular right so um but all those changes most Every change in life, even in politics, and again, is usually started from an independent grassroots place. Um, and the fact that it becomes popular or changes um, is just the nature of things. That's, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, Napster, of course, changed everything. And uh, I knew Brad Dewey quite well, the president. And I remember, uh, and the stealing of the music was obviously a huge problem. Um, and so when Apple came along and and some other people came along and started doing subscriptions. I think it was a good thing. It made the industry more healthy. Um, and now, not to get into the politics of everything, I mean, and it's not my place to say necessarily, but, um, you know, with Spotify, to me, and Daniel Eek and those guys, they had a real opportunity uh. to change things for the better and really be a champion. And I think they took the wrong course. I just think they... They didn't do the right thing and they had an opportunity to just like people a lot of people have the opportunity to do right things and they and they don't based on you know i'm not going to judge them who knows there's all kinds of reasons people don't do the right thing and, and mm. in my this is my opinion it's not necessarily their opinion of course but uh yeah i mean I, there's not a lot of champions for independent artists i mean that the champions uh, that are out there um, really need to step up and really, you know, and really 
champion the artist now because I mean the trajectory is undeniable where oh, the yeah. independent music scene is going. It's like forty seven percent of gen of revenue was generated by the independent music mm. last year. You know, I think it was like thirty five percent last the year before and like thirty percent the prior year. So you can see the trajectory going this way. Things are changing. I can feel it. it's a visceral thing. You mm-hmm. know that it's a, it's a good thing. It is changing. I just think that some of these other big boys that have the resources to step up need to really step up. And you've got great organizations like A2IM and Richard Burgess and these guys that are really doing the right thing. And, and, um, and they're trying. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm trying to be a little, you know, a little cog in that wheel as well for the education. I really want to try to create a middle class for the independent musician where mm. they can have a living. They can make a living as an independent musician. Not everybody's going to be Lady Gaga or Springsteen. You know, it's just the way it is. Absolutely. But that said, I would really like to try to see a healthier industry where independent artists can, uh, can make a living and not have to have two jobs and can still buy a home and have a family on their on their music, you know? Sure. So anyway, that's that's sort of a big a big goal of mine and I just want to play my part and try to do my part mm. in, in helping to achieve that, you know? Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I, I just saw a, a thing you shared on LinkedIn this afternoon about uh, a British musician talking about the... Uh, the breakdown of the Spotify um, streaming ah. thing. And it, it got me yeah. thinking, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, th- those those platforms definitely are getting, are definitely under fire right now for paying peanuts. Um, but it, it, it seemed to me that the reason every time you see a shift in technology that people get um, taken advantage of almost is because the guys with the big money and the the lawyers and everything find the loopholes in the law because the law is so slow to catch up that they can't, you know, one, there's, you know, maybe, maybe there's no one in, in, in uh, legislature right now that's championing artists and maybe there is, um, but that those laws are so, so slow to catch up normally in, in any industry that I think the people that know what they're doing and have the lawyers and everything kind of grab onto the loopholes and they grab hold of all the stuff that's going to make them money. And then they don't, you know, give the piece of the pie to the people underneath. If there are people fighting that. I mean, I mean, uh, I can't think of the name of the, the, the law or the rule, the law they're trying to fix now, but you know, artists getting paid from radio, radio play, right. terrestrial, ter- not streaming terrestrial. And the, the, the argument on Trusted Radio, and I was a record promoter for a long time, is that, well, you know, we're giving the artists free exposure. It's like, well, who cares? They need to be you paid. Could, you could die yeah. of exposure. Yeah, exactly. Good That's a good one. Um, going back to what you said, though, about Spotify, for example, and I'm not, I don't want to just choose Spotify. Um, it's all the streaming. They're getting, it's getting saturated. Mm. You know, really, what is it about with an independent artist? What is the biggest goal? And that is artist is discovery, right? It's creating an awareness about you as an artist. Mm. And and when people are yelling about playlists, 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 and people are charging eight hundred, a thousand, twelve hundred bucks to get on these playlists, I can get you a hundred thousand streams. I need twelve hundred dollars or whatever it is. I mean, there's all kinds of companies doing those things. The reality is, it's so saturated with how many artists globally, and how are you gonna stand out on those? Even those, well, you gotta get a playlist. Well, even those playlists. Uh-huh. are ridiculously saturated. So what is the really the way to do it? I mean, I'm a big proponent of social media in terms of aggregation, but more importantly than that, which you can then, when you aggregate, it raises your SEO, you know, your optimization uh-huh. and your awareness. But, but also that plays, in, that plays into everything. It's, about, it's, a bigger, it's a bigger circle of marketing 
that we should be thinking about for as an artist, not just I got to get on that Spotify playlist and spend all that money. Um, you've got to be a little more creative than that. Uh. And, uh, and to think that uh, to think that getting on a playlist on Spotify and getting 100,000 streams, regardless of the peanuts it's paying you, because we know that's the case. Um, it's not really about that. And it's getting more and more increasingly difficult to cut through the noise of that. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, with terrestrial radio certainly isn't going to play independent artists. I mean, you know, even, even NPR or college radio, which, you know, I'm still a big proponent of, that's even increasingly more difficult. You've got to do it all. But you've got, you've got to be a creative thinker and you've got to put campaigns together and you've got to do it in stages uh-huh. where um, where one thing leads to the next thing and you're creating an awareness and the growth of your of your um, footprint. Uh-huh. Then you've got to get engaged directly with your fan, because right now that's the biggest thing you want to do is you want to have a relationship with your fan. And of course, that's not an easy thing. And to create those super fans, I mean, it's almost impossible. But. It's not impossible. Absolutely. That's what you have to. Uh, uh, that's what you have to aspire to do, and be creative and work with people that know what they're doing. Know work with people that um, have been there before and are changing with the times. And and uh, you got to surround yourself with creative, smart people. Uh-huh. You know that understand how YouTube works, understands how Spotify works, understands what algorithms are, understands the timing of a campaign. Uh-huh. You know, there's a timeline to certain campaigns. Everybody wants to go from zero to 60. Well, they have to understand there, there, there's a method to the madness. And of course, people get lucky. It's not unheard of. You get lucky with the brand that wants to sponsor you. You get lucky with the licensing that you're on the, you know, you're on the, you know, the end, the end of a movie or you've got a major national spot. Of course, those are great things that can happen, but they're, they're not they're sort of unlikely to come big you can get small placements and those add up not only to your pocketbook but they can also be a good calling card for you and uh, say look i've got these four or five placements um recently and and again that that creates momentum and that's what Mm. you need absolutely so i mean i i i feel that things like the voice and, and american idol have this um kind of they they've almost brainwash the general public into thinking that making it is like you sing one time on, on TV and then you make, you know, you're a millionaire. Do you think that that kind of mindset really destroys uh, people's ability to kind of say, form a way of, you know, having in their mind what success actually is like, I mean, obviously for entrepreneurs and, and, and business people, a goal you know, is, is an attainable thing and you, you, you build your steps to get there and, and success is defined by, you know, a a specific thing. But do you think a lot of musicians tend to be a little bit over, overconfident in, in what making it is? And if you could speak to that. Well, I, I I understand what your question is. I I think those shows are a double-edged sword. Okay. Mm. Um, I've watched them all. I've had artists that are on them. You can look at it two ways. I, you can't say really too many things negative about the people that are singing. Mm. If they have the ability to get on there and get the exposure on TV, good for them. But as you're suggesting, I think that does it send the wrong message? Um, you have to be well adjusted to understand what that show is. It's entertainment and they're singers. I'm not saying all of them are, are not talented just because they can sing. Um, but maybe they don't write. Mm. Maybe they don't play an instrument. Maybe they're not creators. They're, they're a gifted vocalist. And there's nothing wrong with that, of course. But for the most part, 
Uh, they, you know, then people say, well, they're not paying. I've heard all kinds of things. Well, they're not paying the dues. They're just singers. Well, you can't really say that because you don't know their situation. You know, I know how hard some vocalists, they're only vocalists that don't write, don't play an instrument, how hard they work on their craft. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a double-edged sword in some respects because um, if they're a great singer, they may not get, they may kind of not be treated as a musician, you know? And um, I'm not a big fan of the shows, just to be honest with you. Hmm. Personally, I am not. I, 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 I cringe when I watch them most of the time. Uh, I much, uh, but if you can go from nobody to being known, and then if you have the real talent, you can actually make a living doing it. But a lot of those people just have decent voices, not even great voices, decent voices, and they're on the show. And then after that, they're like a blip in history, and, and it actually hurts them. It's to their detriment. But there's a lot of them, as you know, like Kelly Clarkson and some other ones that have been really good on different shows. They're quite talented. Um, with the country singer, I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but she's really a great singer yeah. and she's a writer. And so um, I don't think we can judge it as a whole, but I think it's everything's an individual judgment. But um, I'm not a big fan of the shows. I don't, uh, uh, the ones that are woodshedding and really writing and working. But I can't blame anyone for getting on a TV show for sure. and reaching millions of people. I just can't. I just yeah. And, and you know that can that can sustain someone's career for ten years. Totally. <laughs> you know, put food on the table. So it's uh, like I said, it's a double-edged sword. It could hurt you. It could help you, depending on who you are as an individual, and depending who's in your team, who's in your corner, who has your best interest at heart. Absolutely. I did. I did watch a couple of videos, uh, an interview of you from uh, MUBU TV. I think it was. Oh yeah, Rich Ezra. Yeah. Yeah, sure. and you and you you'd answered a question on social media, and I think he, the 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 lining of his questioning was, uh, "Do you think social media is is uh, harming people's ability to create?" And you you were very favorable in in terms of saying it's a really good tool. So that was what two thousand thirteen ish. So, I was going to say it was older. <laughs> yeah. So to, fast forward to today, seven-ish years later, what, what's your opinion on social media now? Well, okay. Well, I, you know, again, there, every path to success is a very circuitous kind of a route. There's no uh -huh. one path. I don't think you can ignore social media, uh -huh. but social media is just a tool. It's a marketing tool. It is not who you are as an artist. Mm. It's to it's to um, it, it's, it's to reach people to share your art. So if you can really be great on social media, and then you can back it up with the real goods about being a quality musician, then you've got it down. Mm. But you've probably seen the same thing I've seen. You've seen great people on social media, but their music sucks. Hey, but that's not my business. Right. I'm you know it, it's subjective. It's subjective. So whether I think it sucks or not, you might think it's unbelievable. You might love it. So. Um, as long as that person is working the social media for their own benefit, it's really their business. They're marketing their own business. Their business is their music. Mm. And if their music re uh, resonates with whoever they're reaching, good for them. Um, but uh, I think it's absolutely a necessary marketing tool. That said, when I got one of my artists signed to a major label deal in 2000. Uh, 14 or 15, I can't even remember when it was, or shit, 2012, she had no footprint at all in social media, but they, the person that signed her just thought she's great. In fact, the guy said, this is Paramore all over again after playing a couple of songs. And um, 
but she had no social footprint at all, which made actually things quite difficult because uh. we had to start from scratch. Um, so if you're running your own business as an artist, I really, really think you need to understand how everything works together, how to aggregate your social media, how to build that tree, you know, from Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and all the other ones that, that, that kind of help create who you are. Uh, and, but you've got to protect that too. You've got to, your persona and your, and your presentation has to be consistent, has to be well thought out and um, can't be kind of ad hoc. Mm -hmm. You have to have a, you have to have a plan like anything else in life. You know, like I said, orchestrate your career. Don't just say, oh, I'm going to throw this out. I'm going to throw that out. Have a plan. And the ultimate plan is to share your music with your people you're reaching. Um, it's like it's like Spotify. If people aren't really saving the song and aren't actually going back, it's just bullshit. Hmm. Like, like, like. It's like even on Instagram. It's vanity it's, metrics. You could see. It's, yeah. But they're all real metrics as well. So you have to know the difference. Hmm. And you have to be honest with yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, is this real or is this fake? Um, I'm going to put the time in or I'm not putting the time in. I'm back. I'm back. Okay. I was saying the educational component um, that we try to do at Indie Advance as well is really a critical component mm. to the artist's longevity. And just understanding, it's just, we call them strategy sessions more than anything, really. Um, but even understanding how the PROs work and how the licensing works and how the money flows and what you can expect, how publishing works. These things the artist should learn early on. You know, it's, it's, their, it's, their, it's their job to, to know how this is. If you want to be in this business or you just want to be playing in your room. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one thing I definitely want to touch on is you've talked to in the stuff I've seen on you. You talked about relationships. And um, one thing that really did speak to me is uh, you're honoring your word blog post could you could you speak to that a little bit you wrote you read that i'm happy you read that. yeah i did i'm writing the, the book the book i've been i actually put the book on hold because of, i started this company but the book's called corporate fitness and what it really is dealing with is um, integrity mm -hmm. and honoring your word and um doing what you say you're going to do you know if you say you're going to do something you should do it um and without exception you know and i think uh, a lot of people in the business um for whatever reason, they just sort of don't follow that creed. Mm. And, um, and uh, you know, we used to, I've been in the business since, since the 80s. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we just did handshake deals. And, you know, my word was good, your word was good. And you just did what you said we were going to do. And um, I don't know, it's just, it's just a different world now. And it's, that's okay. It's just as different. But I think it's important for people to, to sort of really do a lot of self-reflection mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think the world, not just music, I mean, just the world in general will be a better place. Absolutely. So um, anyway, I'm not going to get on my high horse to do it, to say it, but uh, I, you know, I kind of, that's the kind of way I live my life. That, yeah, that's fantastic. No, I mean, I, I have no problem you getting on your high horse. Cause that's, that's, that's <laughs> definitely a, a thing I try to promote too, is ethics and, and just oh, good. being good, yeah, a good yeah. person, you know, and, and I, I say all the time on the podcast, the rising tide lifts all ships. You know, you sh you should yeah. you should help out others, and it will come back to you, regardless of whether you try trying to have that happen or not. You know, we all, including myself, you know, we have a we all have a little bit of a jealousy streak, and and we all compare ourselves to others, especially artists. I mean, business people like myself. We look, oh, 
I could have done that. Or I should have done that. And the musician said, Oh, I'm going to be as good as him. We can't do that. We've got to really force ourselves not to do that. Mm. Uh, you know, like I said, myself included, I, 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 I wrestle with that myself. And um, it's a constant work in progress that we're trying to better ourselves daily. Um, and we truly never become the person we ultimately think we should be. I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a constant thing. Um, but yeah, I think one of the, things we all should stop doing and it's artists especially because art is so subjective that we stop comparing ourselves to others mm. and you artists listening out there don't compare you can you can you can aspire to someone's career or look at someone's career and say i want to be like that that's not the same as comparing yourself mm. you know don't be jealous don't say oh i'm better than them or i can do that or doesn't matter it's subjective uh, you have to you know there's a lot of serendipity there's luck there's relationships as you say things that go into this and um and you know a lot of deals i've done over the times have not worked out I still regardless of even someone being mad at me i don't want to burn that relationship mm. not and it's not because oh i might do business with that person again it's not because of that it's just because i don't want to because i know it was just a business transaction that may not have worked out but my heart is always in the right place i try to have it in the right place and I'm not perfect either. You know, I make mistakes as well, but um, it's not worth burning the bridge because everyone's going through shit. You've heard that phrase before. Everyone has their own shit that we don't know that they're going through. And as long as you're doing the best that you truly believe you can do, then, then you won't burn bridges and people will sense this, your integrity. And, uh, and, you know, the business is small. Yeah. Um, and it's the same way. I don't really believe in karma for the same reason. I don't want to do something to get something. I don't want to do that because, oh, karma's going to look kindly on me. You just do it because it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. We know innately right from wrong, and uh, you just try to do the right thing at all times, not for any other, you'll, oh, it will come back to me. Well, who cares? Mm. It really doesn't matter if it's going to come back to you. You just do it anyway. Um, and you try to do the right thing. And like I said, I'd make mistakes in, uh, you try to learn from those mistakes, as you say. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Um, so I, I like to do a, a few questions that I, I ask everyone. Sure. What is one significant negative experience that you've overcome and what did that teach you? Oh, boy. God, I've had so many negative experiences. Specifically, one that really – well, there's several that stand out to me. One that really, really kicked me in the nuts back um, – I won't mention names, but I, I, I was the first guy to do a group uh, radio, independent radio deal with a, uh, a, a Citadel Broadcasting Group back in, I think it was late 90s, mid, mid to late 90s. And again, it was a handshake deal. Uh -huh. uh, I was giving a bunch of this top 40 stations to another promoter. I was keeping the hot AC stations and he was going to give me his hot AC stations that he had in my giving him, you know, it was a big deal, you know, it's very, very high end money, big money deal. And after we did the deal, uh, you know, we did the proper paperwork with the broadcasting group, but between ourselves, we didn't do any paperwork um, because we all knew each other. He reneged mm. on his deal with me and I lost over that deal. I probably lost, it would have been probably about a million dollars. And I didn't know what to do. I just saw red. I wanted to kill the guy. And he happens to be dead now, so I didn't have to. I don't have to now. But <laughs> I mean, I. But it, it took me a lot to overcome this anger, mm. and it was anger. And as I get older now, similar things have happened over over time. 
And but as I get older now, and when I see my friends getting older and sick, and not just COVID, I mean just in cancer in general, and you know I'm pushing sixty, so um, you know well, I have older friends, so they get sick, and and we know that life's impermanent and it's temporary, and and this all doesn't matter that much mm. because um, and when I look and I really look at that now at my age now, and I say okay, this deal didn't happen, it's not the end of the world, you know. People are dying. People have it worse. And this is just a deal. And so maybe I got screwed. Maybe something happened the way I didn't want it to happen. So life goes on and I'm healthy and, um, you know, my family's healthy and things like that. So I think more in terms of mental health, physical health and happiness versus anything else. Mm. Wealth, cars, houses, success. Who's the man? Who's on top? Uh, my, that is way down here now. I was never, I was never really that ambitious. Others that know me may say otherwise. I never was that ambitious, honestly. Even when I was doing, making really good money, I just, I never did shit for money. You know, money was a byproduct of what I was doing in, in some cases, but um, I never really was motivated by it. Mm. I was never like, I gotta do this deal because I've got to make this money. Or um, I, I always did it. I always wanted to have fun. I really wanted to have fun. I didn't want to go work at a bank. I didn't want to dig ditches. You know, this is really all I knew this, like I said, and some of the martial arts. And, and this is what I just was natural at. And it was fun for me. And I was loved being around musicians. I loved being around creative people. And uh, it just was a natural thing. And I happened to be good at some aspects of it. And that was it. And um, so now, at, like I said, older and older now, and I, and I don't take things as seriously. And I can, I can advise even the younger people that are competing and trying to make a living doing this, just do good work mm. as best you can. Just work hard and really look in the mirror a lot and say, am I working hard? Am I doing what I said I was gonna do? And, um, and try not to lie to yourself. That's the biggest obstacle I've had to overcome in my life. And I think a lot of people have to, is to look in the mirror and say, am I being honest with myself first? And once you can look at yourself and, and say, yes, I am, then, have I worked as hard as I could today on this? Did I really do my part? And if the answer is yes, then you're doing okay. Just be patient. Be patient with yourself. Awesome. You know? um, so flipping that around, what one major positive experience has given you the, the encouragement to follow this journey? Again, a lot of, I've had so many little successes and so many big successes that I'm so proud of and um, the people have helped me achieve. I get to really, you know, I get to really say that the, the most recently, obviously, because recent was helping to start Song Trader, um, the licensing company, and and I'm sort of a competitor with Paul now. Not really. I, in fact, I talked to him yesterday, mm. and we were we're really close friends. It's his, it was his idea. It wasn't my idea, and I, I I met him after he was just starting the company. It was more of an idea uh, with the CTO, but we started in his living room. And I did two and a half years with them. We traveled the world together. We built that company from scratch, the strategy. And and he's gone on to do amazing things with it as a CEO. And and I think it's like the, probably the largest licensing company in the world right now after six years. And um, that gave me, uh, it taught me a lot, first of all, and Paul taught me a lot as well, but it taught me a lot in that end of the business. And I got to travel the world and um, this is most recently. And I, and I learned a lot and it inspired me again to get back into business. So when I left Song Trader, I was just basically burnt out. And I came out to Boulder from LA where I had a house out here and just was teaching a lot and hanging out. And I did some consulting work. And then I just decided after three years, uh, let me go back to what I 
to go build another business and go back to what I was doing in 2009. I thought it was a great idea, but I want to even do it better than the original idea mm. of Indie Advance was. And so that's where I'm at now. And, um, and like I said, Paul's still a friend and I'm happy for his success. And I'm happy that I still retain my stock. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, we're still friends. And even though we're sort of slightly competitors, I don't feel like a competitor to, to Song Trader only because he's, he's up here now and I'm just starting this company. So he, uh, I'm no threat to Paul, put it that way. <laughs> awesome. What is one piece of advice you'd give a musician looking to make a living from music? Yeah, I mean, I sort of alluded to it earlier. Uh, several things, but definitely educate yourself. Uh. Because education is power. Knowledge, we've heard that. Knowledge is power. And it certainly is. And I don't mean power in, in the, the bastardized sense of the word. I mean it in the word of empower. Uh-huh. You, you, know, you want to empower yourself with knowledge so you're not taken advantage of. And you can make better decisions for your own career. And once you have that and you really feel confident with that, um, and then you need to be patient with yourself, patient and, and make a plan or orchestrate yourself. That's my advice. Really educate yourself first, then be patient with yourself and, and um, orchestrate your career and stick to it. Fantastic. Thank you. Do you have, do you have a suggested uh, resource you could, you could uh, suggest like a book, a podcast, a blog, something like that? Yeah, there, there's so many good ones. I mean, uh, you know, Ariel Hyatt from C- Cyber PR is a really good friend. We used to share office space together when she was just starting out. Mm. And uh, I've seen her grow and blossom, um, you know, social media for her. I mean, there's so many great blogs and um, Rich Ezra, you know, you know um, is great. Um, Fat Business from A&R Worldwide. News Expo is a great resource. I mean, obviously, Indie Advance, my company, I think is a great resource. Uh, the, 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 the unfortunate thing is, is a lot of people that are calling themselves consultants these days, as you probably know. And they maybe had a cup of coffee in the business, you know, they've been in business a short time and now they're calling themselves consultants and they're out there, you know, charging artists a lot of money and they might know a little bit about the business and, and it's hard for, well, I shouldn't say it's difficult. I think the artist needs to do their own due diligence, mm-hmm. really research who's out there, who, who are you talking to? You can, the internet, you can find out who these people are. You can go do your due diligence on me. Go do your diligence in anyone you're speaking with. You'll find out who the real people are and who the charlatans are. And um, unfortunately, I've talked to so many artists that have said, oh, this guy screwed me out of X amount of dollars. He didn't do shit for me. And I said, well, you've got to do your due diligence. I mean, you know, there are a lot of good people in this business that have their hearts in the right place that really, really do want to help artists. Mm -hmm. And then there are other ones that not so much. They're just out there trying to take a few bucks off the artist. So I think it's incumbent on the artists themselves to do their own due diligence. I mean, it's like life in general. There's good people mm-hmm. and there's not so good people. Absolutely. I don't want to say I don't want to say good and evil because I don't think they're evil. I just think they will take advantage of uh, naivete. For sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just the way it is. It's it's just like if you've got a uh, something wrong in your house and you need to get a, you know a plumber in. Due diligence is getting three quotes from three different people and checking yeah. references. It's I think it's the yeah, same exactly. thing in anything. So, yep, exactly right. Fantastic. Be careful with that. Yeah. Last question is what does music mean to you? Oh boy. Well, you know, we're all emotional beings, right? I mean, we all vibrate on a certain frequency. I mean, we're in, if we're in touch with the universe, the universe is on a on a on a frequency and the trick is to is to kind of get on that same frequency with the 
with the universe, why meditation is so important. Mm. And music is a huge part of that. Music is only sound waves. Music is frequency and, and, um, and melody. And it's an emotional medium. So, and we're emotional beings. So um, this is why people, every individual has a different taste in music. And that's where the word subjective comes in, right? Because we feel things differently. We hear things differently. We resonate differently. We're all individuals. So um, I think without music, life would be just quiet. It would be stale. There wouldn't be an emotion to life. And life's about emotion. And it's about love and passion and enthusiasm and all this angst. Um, it, 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 it ebbs and flows. It rises and falls. Your emotions do. And a huge part of that is what you're listening to. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, it, it can provide solace. It, it can provide um, uh, up-tempo when you're working out, solace when you're sad. Um, that's why you have different, you have gospel music, blues music, EDM for different occasions, right? Because mm-hmm. our emotions, cha- our emotions change and music changes with that. I think without music, life would be just boring, <laughs> you know? Uh, so for me personally, I mean, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a question I, 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 it's, I can't even answer it really. Mm. I, I wouldn't be breathing. I don't think if it wasn't for music. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Is there anything else you'd like to share about uh, your company? What what's going on with it, or any any last words about that? Well, you know, it just I just it really the company is based on providing services for for artists. Um, again, from strategy sessions to distribution, I I think we have one of the best new distribution things. It's global distribution over 150 DSPs. Mm. We pay out differently. We pay out to everyone. There's other companies that only pay out. A split to, if you're a member of the distribution platform. But we will pay out, uh, it has to be at least one member, but your co writers, et cetera, we will pay out their splits as well if you put their information in the drop down menus. We pay out 100%. We don't take anything. Um, you know, we're not about ownership. We don't want to own any of your stuff. We want you to succeed. Uh, we're here to provide a service. Yes, we get paid for our services. We're very reasonable, very affordable. But one thing I can say to your artists is that, you know, I can say this, but you have to find out for yourself, but you can trust us. Mm-hmm. And we want this to be a second home mm-hmm. for artists that they can feel like, okay, I don't have to worry about these guys screwing us um, based on this, based on our, our, our advisory board, based on our histories, based on our, on what you can do, your due diligence on us. So that's about my company, but really for your listeners, I, it can be a hard road, mm-hmm. and I and I know that because I was there in your shoes, and um, I want if you really really love what you're doing, this is what you're gonna do. So you're not gonna give up, and if you have to have a second job to provide for yourself right now, that's okay. Um, at some point you won't. Um, will you ever? Will you will you be a multi gazillionaire and have the Rolls Royce in your house? Probably not. But if that's what's important to you, you're probably in it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. If if you want to reach as many people and share your music and art with as many people as you can, and from that earn a living that you can be proud of and provide for your family, for you and your family for, eventually a family if you don't have one, then that's the right reasons. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with commerce. There's nothing inherently wrong with making a living from your art. Um, it's about the way you compromise is where it comes into play, where that line is, where you're 
where you compromise, there's, there are going to be compromises, understand that. Uh -huh. um, but where is that line that you cross or don't cross? That's up to you. That's an individual decision. I never fault anyone for what they do. And they go, oh, you know, Britney Spears, you know, dude, Britney Spears is amazing what she did. Do I love her music? No, who cares? I mean, these people that make it, um, don't judge yourself against them. You should, as you said earlier, Simon, about um, don't be envious of anyone else's. Even if you don't like their music or their art or their acting or whatever they're doing, they they got there. Uh -huh. They got there. So you should be happy for them. And um, you don't have to like what they do. But most people don't make it without incredibly being a hard, being an incredibly hard worker. Absolutely. You might not approve how, what they did, but they got there. So uh, it's up to you as an individual. So for you listeners, work hard. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. Do you. Do your thing. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Uh, where can people find out about the company, get in touch with you? It's just it's indieadvance.com, I-N-D-I-E, advance.com. Um, just a regular website. We're adding new things daily. We're growing. We're we're um, doing strategic partnerships with the companies. Every, every month's going to be something unique and new and growing and fascinating. And oh. I'm very excited about it. So they can reach me there. Absolutely. Great. Thank you so much. Um, Thank and you for having me. You're welcome. And then at the end of the episode, I like to play a, a, a track from uh, usually the artist that I'm interviewing. But in this case, some maybe someone you want to give a shout out to. Sure. That you're working well, with. you know, um, I, I think I sent you a song, by a brand new song is just just finished by an artist named Kaylee Go. Okay. K-A-I-L-E-G-O-H. I started working with her when she was 14 and I got her signed to Jason Flom at Lava Universal. Um, I think he, uh, when he got Lava back and did a joint, joint uh, venture with Universal, uh, I think he was, she was a third artist he signed. Black Belt Brides, Jesse J, and now he has Lord and, you know, but J Jason Flom's legendary as everybody knows. I uh, made the record with David Bendis and uh, who produced Paramore and vertical rise and a bunch of artists she was the record was made it's on apple and itunes and february it's everywhere spotify um but she was too young to really handle uh. the fame that was thrown at her unfortunately so um we're just recording again now and she's a model now people a lot of people know her as a model okay and she was on the mount last mountain dew commercial with amigos and all that so she's an actress model really good songwriter stylist she was an alternative chick. She played Warp Tour when she was 14. But now she's doing more pop alternative kind of stuff. And I think the song I sent you was Pocket Money, okay. based on her writing about her face. She's a beautiful girl. She's a model. And about pocket money. She does modeling to support her music. So we're just starting now to come back into her music. And that's what I sent you. Awesome. So Kaylee, go check her out. Kaylee, go. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, like I said, Thank this you. has been a fantastic um Fantastic interview. Really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate you having me. No problem. Thank you. And ha uh, continued success. Thank you. I hope to speak again and best of luck with your podcast. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform, as this really helps get the word out about the podcast so that other musicians can benefit from the awesome knowledge that my guests are sharing. The more the musicians community collectively learns, the stronger we will all become. A rising tide lifts all ships. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Kaylee Go with Pocket Money. I'll trade my face for pocket money.